Dan Murphy is a West Point graduate, Army veteran, and former NCAA athlete. He came from a military family and naturally followed the footsteps of his father to become an Army captain. And while he eventually left his military career behind him, certain elements stayed with him as he became COO of D1 Training and grew up from its founding to a 50-plus unit franchise with over 200 facilities in development. Coming up next, I'm Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to thank the men and women in the U.S. military for their important commitment to our country. Learn more about how Navy Federal is celebrating the commitment that connects them to their members at NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. All right, talking with Army veteran Dan Murphy from D1 Training. So, Dan, got some cool things to talk about. Before we get started, take us back. Tell us what you did in the Army. Absolutely. Joe, thanks for having me on, first and foremost. I think this podcast is awesome. We're an opportunity for the guys coming out and transitioning to really, you know, help pick their path and help mold their path. So I appreciate you doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I was a, a military brat, uh, third of four boys. My dad was a airborne ranger, engineer, combat vet in Vietnam, West Pointer. So, you know, from an early age, it's kind of, I just wanted to be like him. I mean, he was my hero. So it was really easy for me. Um, I kind of, I, when, when I was like in fifth grade, I remember distinctly, we were down at Fort Polk, Louisiana back when it was uh, the home of the fifth ID and, and he had his battalion command down there. And I just remember being around him and the, the soldiers, everything, um, just the way they carried themselves, everything. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I knew that from a really early age. So that's I followed awesome. in his footsteps, really uh, went to West Point as well. I uh, was commissioned in 96 as a field artillery officer down at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, and spent my career there basically was lucky enough to do a little bit of a, uh, uh, deployment in 99, um, over in, in Kuwait for operation Southern watch. And that was kind of kind of dovetails into my, uh, transition story really. Cause at the time I met my wife and, uh, she was pregnant when I got the orders for this deployment, uh, she was scheduled to actually deliver our son, our firstborn after I was leaving. And so it happened to be right at the right time um, for, um, an inducement. Right. So I got, she basically was able to get induced and have, have our son 10 days before I deployed. So I kind of knew this either going to be like, man, this was going to be a a really cool, uh, transition point for me, whether I was going to stay in for career or not. And man, it was awesome. I had a great time over there. Um, as much as you can being Mm -hmm. out in the middle of the desert, but, uh, I knew I, you know, I kind of want to take a different path at that point. It's funny how having a kid does that, huh? Oh yeah. Dramatically changes your perspective on life. So yeah, I remember, remember strapping into the Cobra and going flying the first time after my, our first kid, my son was born. I'm like, okay, this feels totally different now that I have a child. So um, yeah, definitely. Affects you. Yeah. So talk about your transition out of the army then. Yeah. So after getting back from that deployment, you know, I really, again, knew that, you know, I, I was going to take a different route, which is really odd. Cause again, knowing you know, living a, a life with a career military father, you know, I knew the life, right. And I just think I, you know, at, at that point wanted to kind of search a different options. And so, uh, moved to Nashville, uh, and right before, um, right in 2001 timeframe, like right after I got back there and, um, 
took a job with a medical sales company, a group called Dynon Systems that wound up being uh, further than acquired uh, within the first year I was there by one of the larger lab companies. And so uh, I remember getting out and thinking, man, you know, is this it? Like, is this going to be my job by going and, you know, throwing pizza parties for doctors and nurses and, you know, just kind of being in this, this completely <laughs> different environment that didn't feel like it really had a mission. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I felt like I wandered a bit there. Um, but it was, um, it was definitely, I would say to anybody who is transitioning, it's natural to feel that way. It's, you know, that's obviously, and, and we all kind of get so driven, you know, by the mission itself. And it's great to have one. You feel like you kind of always have that North star, and sometimes when you get out of the civilian role and you're trying to figure out what you want to do, it takes a minute. It mm-hmm. takes a minute. So um, I wound up thinking I needed to kind of go and broaden my, my business education side. And I was uh, fortunate enough to get into to Vanderbilt here in Nashville to get my MBA. Awesome. And right at that time is when I met uh, Will, who's my business partner uh, at D1 and the founder of D1. So mm-hmm. that kind of, that was the first you know, that's what kind of put me on this trajectory now for the past 17 years, which has been, uh, been pretty cool. Wow. So have you ever talked with Will or had discussion with him about what was it about you or your skills that, uh, you know, attracted him to you? What was, what was the connection there? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, I think, yeah, no, it's a great was, question. He, was he in the military he was, first? Was he a military guy? He wasn't, but I was going to tell you his, his dad was, his dad was a West pointer. So he kind of knew the mold and, um, and we struck it off first as friends, right. Which I think is another misnomer for people coming out thinking that you can't do business with your Mm -hmm. friends, uh, or family, maybe family, not, I don't know. There's a lot of nightmare stories there, but, uh, that's been the best part of our relationship is we, we started off as friends. I was actually a member at the first D one gym, which at the time when I came on, he had basically two, two facilities and he Uh was using it more as uh, at the time he was an aspiring uh, or wanted to play in the NFL. He was actually trying to get back into the NFL, uh, had a great career at Tennessee. And then he, uh, he blew his knee out when he right uh-huh. got, right when he got to the Denver Broncos camp. Uh, and so he kind of created D one to let him, you know, rehab himself back into uh, shape to get, you know, a call back. And it just turned into a life mission for him to really bring that same, uh-huh. that same experience to the, to the public. Wow. But I think to answer your question, it was really, you know, I think he, he understood kind of the discipline and, uh, yeah. you know, this, the systems approach. And I think Will is the, uh, a visionary and very much a, a sales guy. And I think he liked, they felt like our skill sets complemented each other pretty well. Awesome. I've seen the commitment that Navy Federal has to the military in my 32 years as a Navy Federal member. May is Military Appreciation Month and Navy Federal would like to show you their appreciation. For more than 85 years, Navy Federal Credit Union has made it their mission to help people in the military community. Navy Federal Credit Union is open to all branches of the military, veterans, and their families. Members can enjoy an average earning and savings of $352 per year, a savings rate three times the industry average, an average credit card APR 5% lower than the industry average, award-winning 24-7 stateside member service, and over 350 branches worldwide. Show your own support for our troops with hashtag Mission Military Thanks. Learn more about how Navy Federal is celebrating the commitment that connects them to their members at NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Insured by NCUA. Dollar value represents the results of the 2020 Navy Federal Member Giveback Study. Value claim based on Navy Federal's 2020 Member Giveback Study. Credit card value claim based on 2020 Navy Federal as low as APR averages compared to 
advertised industry APR averages as of December 31st, 2020, published on creditcards.com. All right, back talking with Army veteran Dan Murphy from D1 Training. So, so Dan, you were a member of one of the first, the first D1 gym. You made you meet Will. Talk about the progression. I mean, you guys are you guys are up to how many franchises now? Yes, we have over 200 in total in the in the system, and wow. 66 of those at the at the time we're recording this are open. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah so thank you. what a journey. You, you were there at the first one and uh, became the chief operating officer. And that's right. so, so talk about the, the growth and the progression and what that experience was like. Absolutely. And, you know, we're one of the few franchise concepts. If you think about it, most franchise concepts start with one or two uh, stores and then they wind up, you know, patterning or like, getting the SOPs down and then they go franchise it out. That's a very typical story for us. It's yeah. a journey that started right around 2000 five is when we, you know, I came on officially with, uh, with D one and we had a different model at the time. So the model was really three different businesses. It was a, a real estate and development business. It was a training business, which is the business today. And then we also had physical therapy. And so the D one concept is really just, just that, right. What you'd expect at a division one university. For me, that was my experience at West Point playing soccer for Will. It was that experience at, you know, playing football at Tennessee and you had everything under one roof, right? You had your, your, your program for, um, for fitness and, um, you know, conditioning and you had your physical, you had your physician kind of look overseeing that too, if there was any injuries. And of course you had a facility in which you could do this. And at the time in 05, there really wasn't anything like, you know, boutique fitness in general was not a thing yet. Mm -hmm. CrossFit was probably the closest. So what we did was we went around the country and we established partnerships with professional athletes. One of our first professional athletes is a guy named Peyton Manning. So that kind of helped awesome. pretty easy yeah. uh, get going. And of course, Will knew him from his playing days at Tennessee. So we started with him and then we, we went town to town. Uh, we would find uh, real estate, larger buildings, we'd get these large facilities uh, that would have, you know, almost an indoor football field, a weight, uh, a weight room as well as physical therapy. And we do partnerships with the, the athletes and the physician groups. Um, and they were all separate. They were like joint ventures each time. So we'd go in and we'd manage it for them. And that, in that process, it went very slow because you, you know, to find land and develop it and to build these things, it took, you know, at least a couple of years to get the, the project off the ground without any delays. And so we got to about 25, 26 of those and the physical therapy side got to about 50 plus clinics because we were managing more than just the D1 clinics. We were managing other clinics for physicians when, um, you know, we had the opportunity to actually exit the therapy business to a group in, in Scottsdale called Exos are still doing it today. And then left us really with the training business, which is what the core, as I mentioned from the outset, it was kind of the core of what we loved, right? It was mm -hmm. for me, I, I missed that aspect. I didn't miss PT so much <laughs> in the army, but <laughs> what I missed was, you know, the, the moments, right. With the, with the guys, with the troops yeah. and, and the discipline around that. And I think the same thing at, at school with, with, with my, my boys on the team. So yeah. um, we decided to franchise the concept in 2017 or right there about, and when we did that, um, you know, we really looked at and kind of profiled who the, the, the perfect owner would be. And it's not a professional athlete that has a day job. It's not a, um, a physician who has, has a day job. It's, it's really that locally engaged, passionate person that you, has ties within the community that wants to, uh, that wants to you know, bring something like this to their town that's underserved, you know, with the, it's where the athletes are underserved. So 
man, we just profiled that way and went out and just went on a selling tear in 2018, 2019. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then COVID hit. And really what was crazy about COVID for us was we doubled in physical size in terms of units open uh, yeah. in 2020. And that's a lot to do with really the resiliency and the, and who the kind of people that our franchisees are. I mean, they, they, they doubled down, move forward. And really, if you think about it, we, we serve a, a niche, we serve youth athletes ages seven to 18. And we also serve adults mm-hmm. in the, in the fitness capacity. So um, when, schools were shut down and athletic programs were put on hold for the, for the fall sports you know, season in 2020 that we, we saw all around the country. Essentially we had this longest off season ever. Right. And <laughs> kids had to train. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, we were able to, we were very fortunate in our geographic footprint. We were mainly States that were not closed down too long. Right. Um, but we wound up being able to serve those kids and we've been, you know, same store sales year over year, double digit growth there. Um, wow you know, I think last year was, you know, close to 25%. And that's just really unheard of in, in our type of business. And, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of businesses weren't as fortunate, but again, I, I really attest that to the the strength and, and, you know, the character really of our franchisee base. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how much was it the MBA or your work experience after the army that helped you be effective in D1 versus your skills and experiences that you had when you were in the army? Yeah. I mean, I lean on those probably the latter. I lean on my experiences in the military more often than I lean on any sort of formal schooling Mm -hmm. either at West Point or at Vanderbilt uh, for that matter. Um, And it's just, you know, again, you're, you're leading an organization and, and, you know, the organizations are not made of, uh, you know, they're not, they don't, you have your little processes and you have your designs and your SOPs and, you know, then they get tested and they get broken. And that's what leadership is there to do, right. To solve those problems and move the whole mm-hmm. group forward. It takes a whole nother, uh, you know, phase when you look at the franchise model, when we have a business that we've kind of patterned and then, you know, uh, and all the, the SOPs we want the franchisees to follow. And then these guys, you know, be, they become the experts. The system becomes the franchisees, not, you know, Will and I making decisions in, the, in our corporate team, but really it's kind of listening to the franchisee base and, and their experiences and how to improve it. But of course, to guide the brand and to make sure that it's not just a free for all. So um, I would say, you know, in the military, same sort of thing, right? You go, we, I can't tell you countless deployments to NTC where, you know, we'd, st- we'd stay up, you know, especially as a young Lieutenant, stay up 48 hours, brighten this op order. That's crazy. And, uh, you want it to, that's what you want it to be. And then literally two minutes after LD, it's, it's, you know, it's something completely different. So you learn real quick. I think those experiences really prepared me that, Hey, well, I think it's Tyson, Mike Tyson that said, yeah, everybody has a plan. They get punched in the face. And that, that's kind of how it is on a day-to-day basis around here. Absolutely. But you still got to write the op order. That's right. You can't just that's skip right. it because you know, it's going to change. That's right. You got to have that structure and you got to put the thought into it. And that's that, that training really, you know, really helps really helped me. Yeah. So what's the, what's the long-term plan for D1? Yeah, I think we, we feel like the, the United States is still massively underserved in terms of, you know, the, this type of training and this type of experience. And I think we think every community in the United States can, can support something like this. And, and we, we want to bring it to, you know, to every community in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's the ultimate goal here is, you know, we've, we've just started it, you know, we've, and uh, from, I say just started, we just got, you know, density where people are starting to see us more as a national brand. So now, you know, we really want to, um, we really want to grow and make sure every community has access to this. Cause you know, you, you 
I'm sure in, in towns that or where you live, there's probably schools that have great facilities and, mm-hmm. and great funding. And then there's schools that don't. And, you know, we kind of want to level that playing field and give that opportunity to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there a particular town size or um, how do you identify where the best places to put the next franchise is? Yeah. I think, you know, that hits on what you were, what I was saying earlier about the fact that we were able to be in business for roughly like 15 years before we started franchising. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot of cool analytics platforms out there. And one we've invested in one that actually takes, you know, that 17 years, 15, 17 years worth of, of uh, experience and failures. And, and um, what, what does a right D1 look like? Who is that demographic that would be attracted and, and could support a facility like this? And we use it uh, to then feed, you know, to overlay that on these towns that we're looking at and where does that particular demographic live? And so we, we can get pretty pinpointed as to which markets, you know, we want to attack and which ones we want to sell into. Mm-hmm. And from, from your experience, you touched on it earlier, dive into a little bit more to who become, who, who is the best D one franchisee? Yeah. You know, and this, um, for guys that are listening to this and girls that are listening to this that are, you know, I, one thing I, I find that with, with, with vets is they don't, they feel like because they've, their career path has been so uh, systems oriented in the military, right? There's just, there's not a lot of out of the box type stuff going on, on, in, in, on the whole. Um, they feel like they have to then translate that into a career that, you know, maybe is uh, similar to that, you know, the civilian version of the military, whether that's a large co- corporation or even government work. And those are all great things. Um, but you know, they, I think the last thing they usually think is that they're cut out to be entrepreneurs. And what I'd say is, I mean, we have several veteran owners as franchisees and I feel like they are, you know, I'm obviously a little biased, but I feel like they are some of the, the, the top guys in the system in terms of mm-hmm. taking Cause with franchising, whether it's D one or whether it's any concept, what it really allows you to do is come in and, and piggyback on, of course, the success that somebody's already had. And then, and they've done a good job. If they, if they have in your due diligence, you can see if they've done a good job, really pad, you know, writing out those SOPs and making sure that there's a, a replicable model and then, you know, executing on a plan. I mean, it's, it's a military playbook really. So it's uh, I feel like, I feel like veterans really would be uh, ideal candidates for any type of franchising. And of course, you know, for us, I think if, mm-hmm. if you're have an athletic banner, uh, you know, want to get into this, this field, it's definitely a good, a, a great investment. Yeah. Um, I've had a few franchisers, uh, franchise, people promoting different franchises on the show in, in recent weeks. And I asked one of them, I said, why is it, why is it you're targeting military veterans to be franchise owners? Because typically they they don't have a skill set that's good at working in this franchise. And they said, yeah, we they said, well, that's exactly it. We, we don't want them to do the work that's in the franchise. We want them to be a leader. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and I think, you know, I think that resonates, you know, really why people, they do these, you know, military job fairs specifically because they, they know that they have that skill set and that they've been put in situations where they had to develop that skill set on any level from, you know, a squad leader on up. Um, so I think, you know, from being a franchise, you know, what you, when you get to a certain level too, you want there to be pockets of leadership that are in the franchisee base, not just all contained at the, at the, the home office level. So uh, you know, yeah, I think that's a very valid statement that, that whoever you were interviewing made. Yeah. And going back to D one, are, are you 
for your customers that are members of your gyms, are you, are you targeting individual people that just want to get in shape or are you able to actually target uh, sports teams? Like the whole team comes to your gym and, and trains as a, as a team or all they all train at the same gym. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. It's, it's all the above. So what we're able to do, um, you know, on the adult side would be very similar to a CrossFit or any boutique fitness, you know, that's out there from a cycle bar or whatever you want to look at. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, we have a lot of, um, of, of former athletes and we have a lot of just people that want to be in shape and want to train like an athlete as adults that are consistently coming in for these classes that are, you know, basically centered around training that way. But then, and then we have the, the athletes that are, you know, actually playing sports, the seven to 18 that I mentioned earlier that can do individual programs or uh, group programs. But then we have the opportunity to take, you know, to go outside the four walls and actually train teams both in the facility, but also off site and off campus. So it really expands that revenue model for that franchisee that they can, you know, not just be contained uh, to the class sizes that they have within the facility. Cause one of the things I mentioned from the outset, you know, uh, we started with larger facilities, big overhead, that sort of thing. We've really, as part of the franchise model, we've condensed that down. So they're, they're much smaller. They're, they're under 5,000 square feet is what we do now. Mm-hmm. So when we start getting larger teams, you know, we have that ability to move off campus. And is, does it help, does it help the, the structure, the integration overall and the revenue to actually have a, a robust physical therapy program going on in the same area or off in some rooms to the side? I mean, how's that integrate? Yeah. So currently as a, as a franchise system, it's not part of the program anymore. As I mentioned, we exited out of that uh-huh. 17, but it's definitely complimentary. You know, we do see some physical yeah. therapists, uh, you know, that, that wanted to be franchisees of, of D one. Um, and you know, we still think the the model there, if someone was located next to a, a physical therapy clinic or, um, something to that effect, you know, still is, has got a lot of, um, uh, a lot of validity. It, it's definitely a, a yeah. complimentary service. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of physical therapy offices you walk into, they look like a gym. I mean, they got all the, yeah. a lot of the same equipment. Um, exactly. Because you're doing a lot of the same things. So what, you know, looking back on it, um, year, years, years later, did you ever envision yourself running a gym? I don't think so. You know, I, I think it's always been about, um, you know, I feel like where I was a little bit of a duck, out of water, so to speak in the military was, was, um, I didn't think I could do it for 20 years, you know, where it's, it didn't matter what I did. Um, you know, I could get promoted below the zone, all those sort of things, but I was kind of on that track, you know, I didn't really have a lot of choice. And of course I understand you're serving and your needs of the the military kind of come first. But I think that that was an itching in, in, in me that to do something bigger and to, and to do something that was, I had control over, I guess, for lack of a better term. I mean, um, you know, and not on my own and not as an ego thing. Cause I think, you know, I'm in a position with a partner, uh, in, in will that, you know, again, as I mentioned, we have just, just complimentary skill sets. So, but it, I always wanted to be part of something that was mm-hmm. forward looking, um, that was growth oriented. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to do that, but I think, I feel like entre- being an entrepreneur, I guess, for the, is, is, really kind of what I've always thought I'd, I'd want to be. Yeah. So would you consider yourself unemployable? <laughs> what I mean by that, could you imagine yourself going back and working for somebody else at a job? I don't think so. <laughs> um, I think, you know, never say never. Right. I mean, there's some, there's some comfort in that, but I think I've kind of tipped the scale, you know, in terms of I'm on that, 
on the downward trend there where I don't think I would ever, don't think I'd ever have to, but uh, now could I, I could, uh, I would do anything for my family, but mm-hmm. at the same time, yeah, man, that's in terms of, I mean, I'm, I, my mind goes to what's the next idea that, you know, that I can be a part of. Yeah. And I say that not to say I don't want to be part of D one, just to say that's for, you know, I'm thinking more that way than I'm thinking, man, it'd be cool to go work and work a job somewhere. Yeah. Well, so how do we find out more information on D one training, whether we want to try to find a gym, join a gym nearby, or possibly getting involved in one of the franchises? Absolutely. So our website's d1training.com. Um, and there's a, a link there for all our, 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 um, our locations. If we're not near you, we're probably bringing one to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, uh, a link as well to look at owning a franchise and real simple. You, you fill out your form there. Our, our boy, Bryant will be on the phone with you within, within 30 seconds of you filling out that form. <laughs> He's all over it. So, uh, cause again, we're in high growth mode right now. And, um, yeah, we, again, I think if anybody listening to this, uh, veteran or not, I mean, if you're interested in, you know, bringing something to the community, one thing that's really cool about what we do and I'm not knocking any other concepts, but, you know, I feel like at the end of the day, we are, you know, our mission is to be the place for the athlete. And our mission is to, you know, is to help people hit their goals. And that's how we define an athlete, someone who's serious about a goal. So that could be somebody who's trying to lose 20 pounds. So that could be somebody who's trying to make the team. And so you just, you know, we get more juice out of the stories we get out of the franchisees that, I mean, that these kids that didn't have a chance getting a chance or even the best kid on the team making it to the next level. That's great. But we're for everybody, you know, and I don't say everybody in terms of our training style, but you just have a real chance to impact people. Uh, and then at the same time, run a business, right. And uh, your own business. So anybody's interested in that. I mean, we're definitely a candidate and encourage you to kind of check it out and you know, see what you think. Awesome. And last word, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're talking to somebody that's about to get out of the military in regards to entrepreneurship, you know, they're considering running their own show, getting involved in entrepreneurship, what kind of, what kind of advice comes to mind? Yeah, I would say um, we've been trained, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, we've been trained a certain way. And I think that entrepreneurship as it's defined kind of, not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say flies in the face of how, you know, the, the classic military training, but it'll probably be, you know, you're going to want to go with maybe the safer bet. Um, but I really would look at it. I mean, as, as more of, I mean, you, we, they have the skill sets, like veterans more than anyone else have the skill sets to be successful as entrepreneurs, the self-discipline specifically, and, you know, perseverance is probably the biggest one. Grit, you know, is the word that, that come, comes to mind. Absolutely. Those are things you learn, man, in the, in, in whether it's boot camp or deployed and, you know, suffering through things and putting one foot in front of the other, you have, you have that. And I'll tell you, most of America doesn't. And that's where you win. You know, that, that's where you win in a, as an entrepreneur is not always having the best idea or all the funding you need. It's being able to have your head down, persevere, have the grit to see it out. Um, but then be smart enough to know when, it, when you got to pivot as well. But those are all things that come down the path. But I just think as a, in general, you're way more prepared as a, as a vet, uh, you know, with military service than, uh, than the average person for, uh, for being an entrepreneur. Awesome. And great way to close out the show. All right, Dan, well, thanks for sharing your veteran entrepreneurial success story. Look forward to D1's future growth and success. We'll have you back on the show sometime in the near future. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Again, right. great job. You bet. All right, we're out. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, 
This veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>